welcome to the Addicted Austin Night, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. This is the first episode in a while, I think it's been about three weeks since I made an episode, I'm sorry about that. Unfortunately, that's the joys of living with chronic illness, disability, (laughs) it kind of comes out of left field sometimes. Uh, But anyway, I'm back now and hopefully everything will go back to normal. So to get things back to normal, today I'm going to be talking about the Industrial Revolution and how it relates to Jane Austen's stories and how we can see it in her books. We've talked before about how Jane doesn't really mention historical events in her novels, but we definitely see the effects of them. So that's why I'm doing this little series within the podcast about historical events, so that we can see where it's turning up in Jane's stories. So the Industrial Revolution was a big moment, not just in British history, but in world history as well. It really was a game changer. And in Britain in the 17 and 1800s, it boomed. It really did change everything and I'm not being hyperbolic here it touched nearly every aspect of British people's lives it really was a revolution as powerful and as affecting as the American Revolution or the French Revolution which we've already covered so what was the Industrial Revolution what happened when how and why Well, the name Industrial Revolution, it pretty much does what it says on the tin. It was a revolution in the way that industry happened in Britain. Before the Industrial Revolution, British industry was on a very small scale. It was generally based on regional specialisation and population in Britain was largely rural. There weren't a lot of people living in cities and working in cities. It was a lot more in the countryside. It was also very slow in growth and in development. It was a slow process. Things ticked along and kept going, but it wasn't anything massive. There was no large-scale production going on. Then a few things happened at once that changed the face of British industry. And most of it was to do with the development of new technologies. First of all, there were changes in agricultural techniques, so in farming and the way that food was grown. Farmers were able to grow a lot more food, they were able to tend to a lot more cattle and produce a lot more and this led to a food surplus which is a very good thing for a society to have and it allows for the growth of population. When you have a food surplus it means that you can feed more people and it allows couples and families that maybe thought "Mm, there's not enough to go around to now have more children because they know that there is more food available and they can feed those children. As a result of that growing population it meant that there were more labourers which is a good thing. There are more people to work in the fields, in the factories. The downside of that is that it meant labour was cheaper. When you have a surplus of workers, 
businessmen will definitely take advantage of that and give jobs to the people who are willing to work for the least amount of money because in a competitive job market getting a little amount of money is better than getting no money at all especially during this era of British history because there's no social security there's no unemployment benefit basically now thanks to this growth in population and the size of the workforce what this meant was that there was a lot more rural unemployment like i said britain is a very rural community at this point but there are only so many jobs in the countryside and what are you going to do when those jobs are all filled up well the answer was to move to the cities People had, of course, been moving from the countryside to cities for centuries in Britain. But during the Industrial Revolution, this was a mass migration in numbers that had not been seen before. The populations of cities nearly doubled in the next few decades. It was a huge movement from the countryside to the city, and it made Britain a lot more industrial because it set up the foundations for large-scale labour-intensive factory systems because there are so many people looking for work that have been moved to the cities to find it. So we have got a big population of surplus workforce in the cities ready to work in British industry now all we need is something for them to do and this starts with a change in steam technology before the industrial revolution british industry was powered by limited sources of power there was the water mills and there was some steam technology but not in the scale that we would see during the industrial revolution because of these limited sources of power, it meant that there was a limited amount of raw material that could be produced to be sent to the factories and worked with. So, of course, that meant slow-moving factories with only a few people that needed to be employed to keep the system going because it was so slow. During the Industrial Revolution, this access to raw materials got so much better thanks to the developments of steam technology. With inventions like the Newcomen engine, it meant that more coal and more ore could be mined from the earth at a quicker pace and at larger quantities. So that meant that we had a new, better, cheap and reliable supply of essential raw materials for British industry. With better access to raw materials, factories were able to produce more and that meant that they had to hire more workers to deal with the workload. Unfortunately, because labour was cheap and abundant, it often meant that the conditions in these factories were subpar. The factory owners didn't particularly have to worry about keeping the workforce happy because they were so easy to replace. And unfortunately, it would only get worse, as we later see in the Victorian era. You can just see all the tiny little sad Dickens orphans working in these horrible factories. 
but there were some inventions that did help make workers' lives easier and the jobs that they were doing easier. Unfortunately, sometimes that didn't mean it was safer, <laughs> but it certainly was less labour involved. And this, for example, were things like Arkwright's water frame, which allowed large-scale spinning on a single machine. There was Hargreaves' spinning jenny, which I think everybody in the world has heard of at this point. It's always mentioned in history classes. And there was also Cartwright's power loom as well. So these made spinning and making cloth a lot easier. And it meant as well that factories could produce more. So the more raw materials they got, the more they could produce. And the newer technology they got the better they could use those raw materials. Another consequence of the rise in coal usage, thanks to the steam technology that made it easier and quicker to find and dig up, was that Britain's transport infrastructure needed to change to make it easier to transport this coal. To start with, the roads were improved, existing roads were made much sturdier and more durable thanks to people like Macadam and Telford. You've probably heard of Macadam. He led to the invention of a certain process called macadamisation and a new material called tar macadam to put on the surface of roads and of course this name got shortened and it became what we know today as tarmac. The restructuring of these roads made transport not only safer but quicker as well. It halved the transport time in a lot of cases because it was a lot easier for the carts to get across the road. And as well as revamping the roads they already had, a lot of new roads were created, linking a lot more of Britain to the rest of it so that this coal could be transported and that led to a more interconnected Britain. In addition to this there were some situations where roads just weren't going to be enough and this led to the creation of a massive canal network the length and breadth of Britain so that the coal could be transported by ship instead. Between the start of the Industrial Revolution in the late 1700s to about 1815, over 2,000 miles of canal were put in place in Britain. Now, this might sound like a small amount to non-British listeners, uh, but you have to remember Britain is actually quite a small country, so 2,000 miles is a lot of canal for us. <laughs> And these new roads and new canals really did change the landscape of Britain, not only literally by carving through the landscape to create these new roads and canals, but also in terms of settlement and population, because with better roads and infrastructure, it meant that there was more freedom on where to live, because before now you'd have to live in a certain place because that was the one that had the road to somewhere else which you needed to in order to do trade. But now it was much easier to go a bit further afield because there were new roads that linked you to other places. So it really did change the way that Britain looked. So 
So as you can see, the Industrial Revolution really did change Britain, changed the way that industry was done, but also changed the lives of the workers, where they lived, how they lived. And it really changed British society forever. Now, the question is, where do we see that in Jane Austen's novels? Well, first of all, we know that we're not going to get a lot of detail about the actual workers and the factories and the cities. Jane, of course, we've discussed this before, she focuses on the middle classes who didn't really need to work, so they weren't involved that much with the factory element. But that's not to say that the working classes were the only people affected by the Industrial Revolution. And the example that I'm going to use from Jane Austen's novels is Mr Bingley from Pride and Prejudice. I have talked about this before in an earlier episode, but Mr Bingley is the perfect example of what would become known in British society as new money. Before the Industrial Revolution, Britain's middle and upper classes were mostly made up of, again, what would be known as old money. These are people who were rich because their families were. These families went back generations and generations to the British courts and to the House of Lords and were they were rich by being rich in the same way I suppose today that there are people who are famous for being famous if if that makes sense. So these were families that were deeply rooted into the British middle and upper classes but then thanks to the Industrial Revolution what happened was that manufacturers and business owners were able to make a lot more money and that elevated their place in British society. They went from being working class business owners to middle class business owners because they had enough money that they didn't have to worry. And I hope that explanation makes sense. Sort of the difference between working class and middle class is in the working class, you have to work to get your money. And in the middle class, other people have to work to get your money, if that makes any sense at all. And this change from business owners going from working class to becoming middle class gave rise to this new money situation, which is where Mr Bingley's money comes from, his father and grandfather were business owners and they built up their trade to the point where they didn't have to work for their money, they just let other people work and it created their revenue. And this is something that does cause tensions in Pride and Prejudice. As you can imagine, the old money families who have never had to work a day in their life for their money really resented the new money who had had to work, which was just despicable. You know, middle classes were for rich and easy lifestyles. So they resented these business owners, these workers, people that had had to work for their money, joining their ranks. And we see this in Pride and Prejudice because Mr Bingley's sisters, Caroline and Mrs Hurt, are actually really embarrassed about where their money comes from, they bring it up as little as possible, especially in the presence of Mr Darcy, who is 
most definitely old money. So although we don't get the factory images and the working class portrayal of the Industrial Revolution that we would later get, say, in Dickens novels, we do see the effects of the Industrial Revolution in Jane's books and in her characters, which just goes to prove that even when you don't directly engage with historical events as they are happening around you, their effects are inevitable. And I think that that is still an important message today, especially as we are now in a time of such great change. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Us tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do like and subscribe and all those lovely things. Um, I will see you next time for a new episode. And until then, as ever, happy reading. Your faithful servant, the author.